Thanks for joining us here on Easter Sunday, whether you're online or in the building. It's great to see you. I have to say I'm a little bit nervous this morning preaching in front of real people. I've just spent nearly 12 months talking to a camera. Me and camera were pretty close. Uh, you know, it's a new friend of mine, but now we've got camera, two cameras and a cameraman. And uh, yeah, not a camera lady, it's a cameraman who's jumping between cameras. And now we've got real people in the building, which is a bit strange. So it does feel a bit odd to me this morning, but it's going to be the new normal again soon, eh? So, but thanks for joining us. Happy Easter. Um, you know, I thought Anita did great this morning on that testimony. Let's give her another round of applause. She did really well. It encouraged me. It was interesting because she said something that I'm kind of touching on this morning. You know, why can there be so much bad in the world? You know, if there's a God, why does God allow these things? And it's a big question that we all ask, do we not? We still, even as believers, we, w- we wonder why things happen. And uh, the message I want to speak to you today, we, we can't really celebrate Easter Sunday without understanding Good Friday. You know, because Good Friday is, is, is poignant in the Christian faith because of what D- Jesus did on Good Friday. I remember my girls saying to me as they begin, began to grow up, they don't even know what I'm going to say, but they said, Dad, why is it Good, da- good Friday when Jesus died? You know, it's that question. And um, I've titled this message this morning, right, that God takes the worst of things and turns them into something wonderful. Do you believe that? That's what God is about. And if we're to understand the question, get anything of understanding what it means when we ask this question, why do bad things happen and where is God? We need to go to the cross to understand where God is at in all the world and all the mess and all the disappointment and all the heartache and all the emptiness and the sadness all of the disappointment we need to go to the cross because that's where God is you're asking where is God in this world then he's at the cross and it's at the cross that we need to go to understand what God has done with this mess in this world if we don't go to the cross and just look at it through our own experience we think where is God I've lost and I'm disappointed and I don't feel loved and I feel rejected and I've missed out how many people have missed out on stuff this year Put your hands up if you've missed out. If you don't think you have, you've had a birthday and missed out some kind of celebration. You know, anybody had a, a, a 70th or a special birthday, an 18th or a, yeah, a special birthday and you have missed out. You've lost something this year. Or maybe you've, it's, it's been a sad year, you've lost someone. We all lose people, but it's even harder this year, I believe, being in isolation, not being able you know, have a funeral and and do the things that you'd normally do. It's even harder in this year, is it not? And I believe we've all been through things that are difficult. And and you might be going through something that feels like the worst of times right now. You think, why has this happened to me? Why have we had to go through this? Why, Why all this pain? Why have I had to lose someone? Why do I feel empty? Why do I feel the pain? Well, I want to say this to you this morning. If you come to God... If you give your emptiness to God, if you give your pain to God, I'll guarantee something this morning. That he'll take the worst of your life and turn it into something wonderful. Because that's what he does. How do we know that? Because the cross. That God takes the worst, the mess, the sin of the world, and he puts it on his one and only son. And then we get to Resurrection Sunday, do we not? And then we begin to understand as we go to the scriptures what this whole thing means and what God has done. But we need to go to the cross. So where do we start with all this? Let's go to the empty tomb. 
We all have a bit of an empty tomb sometimes. We all have something missing in our lives, as I've said this morning. We all have some confusion. We all have some disappointment or some pain or some things that haven't worked out the way we planned them. I think we need to go to John 20, verse 11. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have been put. Sorry, where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. She always found that a bit odd. Like Jesus doesn't, he kind of has this way of hiding himself. He's obviously supernatural. God can do anything. He has this way of hiding himself from people, not revealing himself at certain times. If he's God, he's God. He can do anything. But I often, my, my logic goes, how do you do that, Jesus? You're wearing a mask. Well, you, you know, you've got, a, we've got one of those masks that we're all wearing at the moment. He asked the woman, sorry, um, turn around, didn't realize Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? There's a question for us this morning. If we're in disappointment and pain, who are you looking for this morning? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you put him, and I will get him. So Mary had come to put these spices on Jesus that hadn't been put on him. That's why she was coming. She was looking for the body. She wasn't looking for the resurrected Jesus. She was looking for a dead body to actually put these spices on. And Jesus said this to her. I love this. Mary. He says her name, Mary. Then it says she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and our God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things. What an amazing day. Imagine someone that you loved more than anyone. And then the tragedy that they die. And then three days later, you're walking around in your back garden. And you hear somebody say to you, not Mary, but John, Paul, Steve, Mand, Sarah. And all of a sudden you hear that sound of the one that you loved. And you think, this is the one I lost. This is the one that's now here with me. We've all lost loved ones, have we not? And God promises to restore them all to us if we believe in him. That's the good news, church. So why does God raise Jesus from the dead? Why? I don't know about you, but I often think, well, if he was going to be raised from the dead, maybe he was just raised in spirit and he went up to heaven. People think that sometimes. But actually, he was more than a spirit. He was raised in bodily form. Right? He, was, he died on a cross, he was seen, and he died, yet he comes back in bodily form. Why does God have to bring him back? I want to share four things with you this morning that I believe, as if you're a believer, these are the things that God has done through the body being resurrected in Jesus. Number one, a new creation. If you're a believer this morning, God wants to offer you something. It is the new creation. What is that new creation? Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll read in Scripture, God promised a Savior. 
he promised a king. And the Jews were waiting for a king to come, that they would create a new kingdom, and they would deal with their enemies. Those that were subduing them, they would come and destroy them. Yet God sends this promise fulfilled in Jesus, what they were believing for. You know, I don't know about you this time of year, but we start planting seeds. Anybody planting seeds at the moment? Is it just our family? Well, you should be. It's, come on, get your seeds planted. We, we, I say we, Sarah and the girls actually, they've just planted some spring onions, they've planted some carrots, you've planted some sunflower seeds, giant sunflower seeds, I've seen the label, right? You plant seeds, right? You, you plant seeds. When you plant a seed, you put it in the ground and then you wait. And you wait, you water it, and you hope that that seed will come to fruition and produce a plant. Now, God in Jesus put a seed in the ground. And the Jews were waiting for this seed to produce fruit. It was promised the seed of David, a king would reign and would reign on the throne forever and ever. And they were waiting for this seed, but it was still in the ground. God's promised, God said, God spoke, God's going to send a king, he's going to come, he's going to defeat our enemies, and we're all waiting for this new creation to come and this new kingdom to come, but we're still not seeing it, we're still waiting for it, then all of a sudden, Jesus turns up, promising to be their king, promising that he is the Messiah, yet he's been crucified on a cross and he seems to be buried in the ground. But that seed is eternal. That seed is incorruptible. That seed cannot be conquered. Why? Because he is the king. And he raises him from the dead to show you that Jesus is king. What is he the king of? He's king over all things, creation itself. And he creates something new on this day for you and me as a believer. See, what Jesus was creating was this. The new creation is a new covenant. A new promise that you don't have to do things to be right with Jesus anymore. But Jesus has paid the price so that the righteousness of God is done by faith and faith alone. This is the new creation. It takes the weight off you. It takes the baggage off you so that you can come. Pass me that chain. You can come, right, and bring the things that bind you. And Jesus can break them off your life. He can break the the boundaries, the things that limit you off your life. But no one can do it apart from Jesus. Can you hear the chains rattling this morning coming off you? You don't do it by works. You do it by faith and faith alone. It is the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. For anyone, anyone, all of you, anyone out there, anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's here. It's, it's right now. Jesus has defeated Satan. He's destroyed the oppressor. Not the Romans, not the government, the oppressor. What did the pre- oppressor have? He had the power over your life because of your sin. Now that sin is paid, he no longer has permission over your life. So you're no longer oppressed by death because Jesus has paid for death. And the resurrection proves that, that sin was paid for on the cross. So you get a new creation, a new covenant. The old covenant was about standards, the things that you had to do to live up to God, but no one fulfilled them. Jesus fulfilled them, fulfilled the Old Testament, the old covenants, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were kept in the Ark of the Covenants. No one lived up to him, only Jesus. Jesus fulfilled them on the cross. His life and the cross fulfilled them. The old covenant is done. It is 
it is finished. That's why Jesus says, it is finished. I've done the old covenant now. We're done with it. There's a new covenant. It's through faith and faith alone. Woohoo! And you better rejoice on that one. It's a new covenant. It's through faith. It's grace. You don't earn it. It's given. It's the gift of God. We come by faith. We surrender our hearts. Believe in Jesus. He died for you. He's rose from the dead and he ascended. God gives you the gift of righteousness through faith and faith alone. It is liberating, church. It's grace. It's empowering. It breaks the Satan's power over your life. Death no longer is a shadow over your life. Yes, we die, but like Jesus, we'll be resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah. That's why we should be rejoicing. So there is a new creation. God put the seed in the ground at the right time. The seed came out of the ground, and we're here to see it. Can you see the seed? You know, if you're believing for something in your life, think, oh, I've lost this, and it's, and it's painful. I want to encourage you, hold on to the seed. Hold on to the promise. Hold on that you're going to see something come out of that. Why? Because God makes the wonderful things out of the worst of things. That's what he does. So there's a new creation. There's a new freedom. I've touched on it. The Israelites were looking to deal with their oppressors. You know, just like they got a freedom out of Exodus, they got the freedom out of Exodus through the, the Egyptians that oppressed them. God gives them a new freedom, not from the rulers of this world, but by, from Satan's power where he deceived us and tricked us and we entered into sin. God has broke that power now. It's a freedom from sin. It's a freedom from a different slavery of this world. It's a freedom from the slavery of sin that bound you. In no need, it doesn't have to bind you anymore. There's a new freedom. So there's a new creation, there's a new freedom, and there's a new identity. What does that identity look like? Many of you got an ID card, right? You got your face on it. Anybody maybe got one with them this morning? You might have bought your passport if you're a bit strange this morning. I'm not going anywhere in this country at the moment. I don't even know why I said that. Or you might have your driving license. You, you, you know, you've got your picture on it. Or if you're a bit younger, you might have a Blue Peter Pass. We've got them. Get your Blue Peter Pass. Kids, get them free anywhere in the world, anywhere in this country, in the world. You can't at the moment because you can't go anywhere. But when you can, you get an ID card, right? What is the ID? What ID does God give you? The ID God gives you is this, forgiven. This is who I am. I am washed. I am white. I am forgiven because what Jesus did on the cross. I am forgiven. Are you hearing that? Or do you think you're not good enough? Or do you go back to the cross again and what the word of God says? Come on, put the seed in your heart. Come on. I know it's not produced the fruit yet, but it's there. So put the believe the seed believe the word of God put Jesus in your life and say I'm believing that I am forgiven I'm believing for the worst of things to come right because that's what God promises to make to take the worst of things and to turn them into something wonderful that's what he does yet I've got mess yet I've got disappointment yes I've got pain but my God promises to take the worst of things and to turn them into something wonderful and I'll guarantee if you bring like Mary she was a woman who understood pain she was uh, understood disappointment and you know she was a prostitute her life had a past if anyone needed forgiveness, if anyone needed a new identity, if anyone needed to have that sin broken off a life, it was Mary. She's the first one at the tomb. She's the first one weeping and crying. Jesus, my life is a mess. But you promised me, Jesus, you said if I follow you, I could have a new life. You promised I didn't have to live in the old life anymore. There was a new life and a new identity. And that's what Mary wanted. And that's what Jesus promises. And that's what Jesus gives her. Not just in this world, but beyond this world. So she, she had a new creation. She had a new freedom. She had a new identity, which is forgiveness. 
You know, there's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus because we've been singing it. We've been singing it earlier. There's power in the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus was holy and it paid for the price of your sin. Once and for all the payments. Have you ever not paid for anything in a shop? Come on, let's be honest. Right? I know you're Christians and you're good people, but have you ever not paid for something? Put your hand up if you've done that. We'll tell. Come on. I have. Well done. Thank you. Just gone up a level with Jesus for your honesty and humility. I, I, I nearly did it the other day. You don't get extra marks if you hold your hand, even I here. But here, here's the, I nearly did it the other day. I was distracted, right? I'm easily distracted. I went into the till, and, and it's one of them self-serves, right? They talk to you more than anyone. Hello, have you got a bag? Did, did any of yours do that? And I'm like, I just want, just want to get me shopping. I don't want chats. I just want... So, so I'm like, put me bag there, and it's like, beep, 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 point it in. And there's the, the lady who works here. She's cleaning the till here next to me. I'm like, hello, morning. She, she's chatting. Chatting, I said, "Oh, you're good cleaning the till." Yeah, my boss says if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. And I'm like, "Oh, he's a nice boss." So I, I'm carrying on. So then she's chatting with me, and I'm talking to her about how you know the shop and business, and I'm putting all my stuff in the in my bag, and I'm like, "I've had enough now. I just want to get out." You know, one of the moments I just want to be on my own. I just want to get out of the shop, and she's chit, chit- chatting. And so I picked all my stuff up, like, "Have a good day," and I walk off. And she looks at me with this stare I've never seen before. Now, she's got a mask on, but her eyes told a million stories. You know one of them looks you've ever had when the eyes just tell a million stories? I try it with Sarah, but she's, it's not as good as Sarah is with me. She's got that look. She, I know when I'm in trouble, right? It only takes one look, does it not? She's not evil. She just has a look, right? She looks at me like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't do that. A look, a look tells a thousand words. This woman gave me this look, and I just, at that moment, I thought, and I went, I haven't paid, have I? She says, no. It's like a net turn 360 like an owl at me. And I was like, okay. I went back. I'm like, I got my card and I pay. I nearly didn't pay. I nearly walked out. Why do I tell you that? It's because this. Jesus paid for our sin. For your sin. For everyone's sin. And if, if I'd have walked out that shop and gone down and gone home and then I'd have got in trouble for not paying for that somebody had come to me and said hey you haven't paid for it and I'd say actually I did pay for it and then what would they say to me well show me the evidence show, show me show me the receipts get your wallet out Paul and I've got some receipts here this morning they'd have said there you go here's a receipt they'd have said show me the receipt the evidence and I'd have gone out of fumbles because I hadn't got one because I didn't have a receipt and I'd have gone home and not paid and and if I'd have denied it and they'd take it even further, if it was a bigger amount of money, they may have taken me to court and I'd have stood before the judge and he'd have said, where's the evidence of your payment? And I'd have said, well, I fumbled around and I haven't really got one. But here's the deal with Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for you. Jesus on the cross paid for your sin. Did he not? Paid for our sin. We know he paid for it. How? Because of the resurrection. If he didn't pay for it, the consequences of our sin was death. If he didn't pay for it, he wouldn't have conquered death. And we know he paid for it at the cross with his blood, so therefore he conquered death. That is the sign, that is the receipt. Jesus is saying, Luke, this is the receipt, the resurrection is the receipt. 
That's why it's recorded down. Jesus' death in itself was not enough. He needed to show that he had authority over all things through the resurrection. Therefore, we know, you know, that Jesus has paid for all of your sin. How do you know? Because he resurrected from the dead. That's the receipt. That's good news, is it not? Yeah? Now, Jesus says to Mary this. He said, don't hold to me because I need to ascend to the Father, your Father. So why does Jesus need to ascend to the Father if we've got the receipts? He's paid for your debt. He's paid for my debt. And he has the receipt. We know because he's conquered it. But he needs to take the receipt somewhere. He needs to enter that courtroom and say, here's the receipt, Father. I've paid for their sin. I want to exchange an exchange for this receipt. Here's the debt paid. Here's their sin. Here's their mess. Now, Father, you can release the blessing over their lives. You can release the Holy Spirit. You can release the power that helps them to overcome this thing called sin. You can release the power from heaven that was on me is now available in them. Why? Because the Father sees that the payment has been paid and he's pleaded with the sacrifice. We know he's got the receipt because he was raised from the dead. Then he ascended to heaven to take the receipt to the Father to say, I'm well pleased with this sacrifice. Let's send my power out over their lives. And you see, what this does is, not only do we have a new creation, not only do we have a new freedom, not only do we have a new identity that we're forgiven, we have a new love. We have a greater depth of love that not only can we talk about, but that we can now receive and experience through the Holy Spirit. God's presence now has been released from his temple into you, the temple. Do you believe that this morning? How good's that? So the receipts, you want to know if your debt's been paid? Look at the resurrection this morning. Jesus paid it. You want to know if Father's pleased with you? Look at where Jesus has gone. The Bible says he's seated in heaven, interceding, praying for you right now on behalf of us, for the Father to say, I'm well pleased with these children now. So there's no condemnation for those who are in the new creation by faith, not by works. I am a new creation in Christ, you can say this morning, by faith. I am forgiven. I am loved. And I'm loved with a greater depth than I've ever known before. Yes, we may not experience it fully yet, and we're on a journey with that. But if you put that seed in your heart that Jesus died for you on the cross, you believe it in your heart, you can receive it by faith, and God will begin to direct you and, and help you to understand the depth of his love towards you. How good is God? And I believe this is what happened with Mary. Mary loved Jesus. He, he, he promised her a new life. He promised her a new identity. He promised her freedom to break the power of sin on her life. And she was doing really well. But on this day, she was heartbroken because she'd lost Jesus. There was an emptiness in her heart that Jesus, only Jesus could fill. And then what does he do? He comes and she holds on to him. Jesus, Jesus, I want to hold on to you. No, 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 no. I need to ascend because I'm going to send someone even greater so that you can fully experience me every day for the rest of your life. I will never leave you or abandon you. You can know my presence. You can know my joy in a deeper level, Mary, than you've ever known before. But it'll only come if you trust me and let go of me and allow me to send the Holy Spirit into your life. How awesome is God that we can all not know Jesus from a distance, but we can know Jesus intimately if we come to him. She cries out to him. I want to read what Isaiah says. 
Isaiah, the Israelites had rebelled and God spoke to him through a prophet. Imagine reading these words if you were Mary after the experience you had. It says, Isaiah 30 verse 19, it says, He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. Mary's crying. How many of us have a cry of emptiness in our lives? Come on, we've lost things, we're disappointed, we're hurting. How many of us have a cry? Jesus says this, if you cry out to me, I'll promise to be gracious to you. He says, as soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes will see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold plated metal images. Then it says, you will scatter them as unclean things and you will say to them, be gone. Why do I share this? Because this, we all go through difficult times, do we not? What does this do if we come to God? This is what the adversity and the affliction does. It gets us to actually make a choice. What do we believe? Do we still trust in Jesus when we go through the bread of adversity? Do we still trust Jesus when we go through the affliction? Do we still trust him? Because if we do, Jesus says, I will be gracious to you. I will hear your cry in your affliction and your disappointments. And I will come to you and I will guide you in it. I will guide you through it. And not only that, you're going to defeat some things that used to have a grip on your life. They're called idols. I will smash them in your life so that you can say, be gone. Be gone, shame. Be gone, guilt. Be gone, be gone, be gone, be gone. Why? Because Jesus has conquered them. And if you come to Jesus, that's what he'll do. And many people, what I find is this, they'll come so far with Jesus, then it gets difficult. Circumstances aren't what they want. And they go, I'll just give up on this God thing because God's not in it. And God's saying, no, no, this is life. I want to teach you something. I want to take you to a greater depth of my love in spite of the circumstances. I want to take you to a depth of love that is unconditional, that you can know a presence and a joy that goes beyond circumstances. It's called faith. It's called grace that we don't deserve it, but God can take us to a place of being stable even though things are unstable. God says, come to me. I will, I will take the worst of your life and I will turn it into something wonderful. Why? Because that's who he is. He's God. He's creative. He's loving. And if you bring your mess to him, he will turn it round and turn it into something so wonderful that you will stand in awe and say, God, how did the heck did you do that? How did you take my brokenness and heal me? How did you take my disappointment and use it for good? How did you take my loss and my emptiness? Now I feel fuller than ever. How do you do that, God? He is God. That is it. And when he does that, you just go, God, you are God. I don't know how you did it. Are you still with me? We have a God who takes the worst of things and turns them into something wonderful, church. The cross of Jesus shows us that. It was the worst thing on the planet that could have happened to Jesus, yet Jesus uses it for good for you. Why? To show the depth of his love to you. That God showed his love to you. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you. Why? Because you're his friend. He loves you. 
and he would go to that length and that depth to demonstrate the love he has for you. Come on, he loves you. How do you know? Because he died for you. Come on, you need to believe it. You need to thank God. You need to praise him. God loves you. Why do we need to be reminded? Simple. You know it? Wonderful. There's a people out there who are in the worst of times. You have no hope. You have no courage. And God's saying, will you, we go? will you go? Will we go with this message of hope that we have because people are in the worst of times? And we know a God who can take the worst of times and turn them into something wonderful. And you are the hope. You are the message, messenger of that hope that people have. So have a belief and a confidence in the, in the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus and let God give you courage, faith and a love and a hope to go from here with the message that you would have a confidence to share it because people are in the worst of times and God wants to help them and turn them into the most wonderful of times. Amen? Come on, let's stand. We're going to worship God. Jesus, we thank you for your life. Jesus, we thank you for your death. We thank you for your resurrection. Jesus, we thank you that we can trust in you, that you've loved us with a depth that we'll still try and get our heads around it. But it is an amazing love. And we want to thank you this morning, Jesus, from the bottom of our hearts. And maybe you're listening right now, you don't know Jesus. You can put your faith in Jesus. Jesus loved you. He's died for you. And you can believe it in your heart this morning. And you can confess it that you believe in Jesus. And I believe Jesus will come into your life. And you can begin to walk with Jesus. Amen. So we're going to praise God. Who's up for praising God? Have we got much to be thankful for? So whether you're online or in here, we're going to sing a song. You know, even things that seem impossible, they're possible with God. Keep believing, keep trusting. Don't forget Jesus rose from the dead. It's evidence, it's your receipt that you are forgiven. Amen.